my whole entire life is over. From this point on, I will be in a jail cell probably for the next quarter of my life. It's another week and another episode of the Skid Steer Nation podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Ryan Deemer. And today we've got a young man. He's based out of Georgia. He's inspired me. We've only talked for a few minutes before we got started, and I cut it off because I didn't want to ruin any surprises for you guys, too. So with no further ado, I'm going to introduce you guys. His name is TJ Poole. He owns a land company called Limitless Land Management. He's based out of Hiram, Georgia, and he's already looking to expand into another state. So without any further ado, TJ, welcome to the podcast. What's going on, man? How's your day? It's going fantastic, man. Thanks so much for joining us today. No problem. It was my pleasure, brother. Yeah. So right out of the gates, you're 20 years old. Yes, sir. How long have you been doing this? Um, well, it's funny. I've only actually been doing this two years. Um, you know, my dad, he's always been in the dump trucking and things like that. So I've been like here and there. I've raced motocross a good portion of my life. So, I mean, I've seen, you know, dirt work and things like that. But me, I've really only been in this for like about two going maybe on three years. So we're two years going on three years. You've already got four full-time employees, a part-time yep. employee, and you're currently looking to expand into South Carolina in addition to your branch that you have in Georgia. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say, you know, you don't want to move too fast, but the things are, is, you know, if I can do that there and be comfortable all the way out there, why can't I move out here? And, you know, I've got somebody out here, which is my cousin, who's, um, who's, you know, a great person like me. He wants to, he wants to get to it. And if he's going to hold his own out here and do them things to where I can take care of, you know, the Georgia branch and then come back and forth and be able to grow both of them at the same time. I mean, why not go for it? You know, you only live once and you can only be young once. Well, I was going to say, I, I have two pieces of advice for you that suited me well when I was young. Cause I got, I got into the game at a pretty young age too, in my own business, but what one you're young, man. So it's the perfect time to go do something like this. Cause if it does fail, it's just a minor setback in the grand scheme of life. It's not like you're 60 years old and got to reinvent yourself again. You're like, what was I thinking? Exactly. So do it. You're young. And then number two, if you're going to fail, fail fast, go try it. If it doesn't work, get out, regroup, start over because nothing worse than sinking money into something over and over and over and over again. And the biggest portion is, is, you know, the good thing about me is the way I explain it to other people is I don't want to be 30, 40 years old, have a kid, have a wife, have a house payment, all these crazy things behind me. And, you know, trying to start up businesses in other places when, you know, one portion is going to be already hitting and then I feel comfortable and I'm too scared to move out to other places because what happens if this fails, no money here. At this point, I'm just letting it, letting it go and letting God take over at this point and see where it takes me, you know? Amen, man. Amen. So you've got four full-time employees and a part-timer. How are they in correlation to your age? Um... <laughs> So it's funny, like a lot of the people that actually work for me, which everybody always says, never hire your friends. Um, but where I'm from, you get kind of the, you kind of get two options. You either get to pick people who are wanting way more than what you should pay them, or you get, you know, the, the users that are trying to just get their money for, you know, their habits. And, you know, I, I kind of looked at that as, well, I don't want to go out on a wing and go and pay somebody way more than I need to be when I could sit there and me be doing a lot of the things and teaching somebody else along the way. Um, and I don't want to be giving somebody money for their habits and other things. So um, I hired a lot of my friends throughout the first portion of my business. The first year um, I had probably maybe like 10 or 15 of my friends, friends going through, um, which are no longer here, of course. Um, and then one of my buddies, Trevor Kinsey, his, his dad owns a painting company. 
um, which they're really great people as well. They do a lot of stuff in Hiram, Georgia, and do really great work. Um, he basically called me in February of this month, or not this month, this year, um, and basically told me, you know, he was he was kind of fed up with it. He didn't want to paint anymore. Um, he previously got into a really bad uh, dirt bike accident that almost left him paralyzed. So he said basically climbing up ladders every day was just not his cup of tea anymore. Um, so he was begging me to give him a shot, and it was one of those things where I knew that I had a lot on my plate if I brought him in because, um, you know, he did have a house. You know, he has a significant other that he has to provide for. And I was like – you know, it's one of those things where what could go wrong? It's either it's going to turn out to be something amazing or it'll fall down just like the other ones. And uh, surprisingly, he's now my main foreman because he gets things done a lot more than, you know, I expected. I mean, he, he does absolutely any and everything I ask for and more. So he takes care of a lot of those things. Um, but, yeah, basically a lot of my friends um, were not the biggest option until like the ones that really started hitting in and wanting to learn this industry and wanting to get into it. Um started connecting with me and yeah. you know, basically giving me a shot. But as a whole, your entire crew is pretty young, like yourself in the early twenties. 100%. Gotcha. As ba- like I said, basically my f- only friend group at this point. Uh, How do you, like, I think, I think a lot of company owners probably have this same process or thought same, same viewpoint you do. Like you're doing something new. You've invested in this equipment. There's always somebody, you know, or a friend of yours like, Hey man, let me come work with you. Mm, yes so by you hiring numerous friends and going through that process early on did you create like a structure so like when you did bring your buddy in you can say listen there's got to be some professional lines that we draw oh 100 like at least everybody now um because my worst my worst enemy was being too lenient like that my was myself basically my worst enemy was myself i was too lenient let a lot of things slide i shouldn't um i felt like i was a little bit too nice and that was one thing that was holding me back. You know, even if they are friends, I really had to learn myself um, and teach myself that just because they're my friends doesn't mean that they have to be a friend all the time. They've got to learn when they get there and they clock in, you know, I'm no longer your friend. I'm your boss from the time we start until the time we go home. I mean, the second that that, you know, clock turns off at the end of the day, we're back to goofing off being best friends again. But yeah. From that, that seven to five or the eight to six, we're no longer friends at that point. How did so, you do that? Like, it's easy to say we're not friends from this point, but like, how did you get your team to buy into that also? If you want the truth, just being, excuse my language, but being an asshole about it straight up. <laughs> That's why we do the podcast, man. Cause we can get away with exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, yeah and, just being like that and just being very like straight up forward. Like, look, we're, we're not doing this, these funny games anymore. Like I'm, I'm trying to get my business where I want to be. Um, and if it's either y'all get with it or you don't, and y'all go find something else because this is not a, this is not a, how would I word it? This is not a school. This is not a schoolhouse. You know, I'm not, oh, yeah. y'all, y'all can, y'all can learn here all you want, but at the end of the day, this is your job. So you, you really need to learn it and get, get your head onto it. If you're going to proficient, get moving. Yeah. I hear a lot of guys, they either do it like, cause you said that you went to 10 or 15 guys at the beginning, you're hiring your friends. I find that when you take that hard edge approach of like, this is the way like from this hour to this hour, we don't fuck around word is rolling. It's work. You burn through the guys are like, wait, I thought it was going to be fun working with you. Exactly. Right. And then I find guys like when they get to the point where they get some good guys like yourself, where you almost have to make like a mental transition and like have them get buy-in in the company, not you. Exactly. Like, and that's the biggest thing. It's for me, it's more of the the ones who came in at first were, you know, Oh, my buddy owns a business. It'll be a little bit more laid back. I just kind of make my paycheck. And once they got in, because when we first started, we really only did sod. So they kind of realized like, 
this sucks. Like this absolutely sucks. And that I thought was no fun. joke. Oh no, being out there in the bacon sod of Georgia, you know, in the middle of summer, laying down pallets of sod, you get the wrong pallet. It's absolutely stinking. You know, some guys are just not cut out for that. And you know, like I said, I kind of just weeded out the ones who really weren't worth it at that point, and uh, brought in a lot of people that were, you know, a lot, a lot more worth it, basically. Yeah. I get you. I get you. So I can't tell you the number of business owners that I've talked to over the last three, four, five years that come from some sort of a motocross background. It's all in the dirt. What is it with you guys and excavation, man? Like what, what's the, what's the gap? What bridges you two to get with those two together? It's like, for me, the reason I got into it is for one, it's just soothing, man. Being in that cab out on a piece of land as you know, there's nothing holding you back. It's just, Here's this. I need all this trees, debris, blah, 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 gone. Man, being out there is just a whole nother feeling, and it kind of gives me that relief a dirt bike gives me. It's like you're, you, it's a stress reliever. You're taking out your anger on everything else, and it's like it's just a piece, and it's kind of like something that a dirt bike gives me in a way, and that's, that's why I personally like it. And, you know, Trevor says, uh, says basically the same thing. Um, it just gives him a, a sense of a relief while he's out there. It's a whole okay. different feeling. That's the first time I've heard that angle of it or the relief, but uh, it, it makes complete sense to me. Makes complete sense. So, so two years ago, you're starting this thing. What made you take the leap from what you were doing to starting the business? Like it, to initially start this? Yep. Um. Well, I mean, if we're being honest on this podcast, the, the real thing is because uh, I got arrested when I was 16 years old. Um, it set me back really bad. I absolutely... Um, I, I caught like seven felonies, um, hanging around the, the wrong crowd, um, that were super violent, almost got life in prison for it. Um, and I was absolutely just down, man. Didn't have a job. Nobody would hire me. I just didn't have anything to do. I literally just sat in my house all the time. I had an ankle monitor, couldn't do anything. So the first thing that clicked in my mind is I'm going to start a business. So tried the whole pressure washing thing that went absolutely nowhere, um, tried the lawn maintenance. I absolutely hated that because, you know, that's what I did in the past when I was 14, 15, hated it. Um, I just wanted to be in a piece of equipment. So first thing I did was I started looking around. Sod wasn't, it wasn't too big from where we were at. There was a few companies doing it. Um, but I just started posting random ads, just taking things off of Facebook and basically putting it on there. You know, hey, we install sod. Anybody want to, you know, give us a shot? We started building that up, building that up, and I started realizing, okay, well, we need a piece of equipment to do this. It's not just, you know, a tiller, take a wheelbarrow from back here to back here. We can use the skid steers to get the pallets quicker, yada, yada, yada. So then I started renting, um, and the first actual dirt job that I got, I got screwed out of all of my money. It was with a rental skid steer with a rental brush hog from two different companies. I went and did the whole entire job. Of course, I didn't get a contract with him. He comes outside, everything's done. And he's like, oh, you didn't do this whole other side over here. I'm just like, that wasn't in our agreement. He was like, oh, well, we didn't have a contract, so I'd get to it. And I was like, yeah, that's a that's a portion that, uh, that sucks. It's like first good dirt grading kind of job, and it just absolutely went to the floor. So, so yeah. What- what did that, I want to stay on that topic real quick. So what did that do? Like, did you get frustrated and be like, man, maybe I should just stay in the side alley or did you, did you make a plan? Like, no, that ain't going to happen to me again, but I'm going to keep moving forward in the dirt world. To be completely honest, when I, when I left that job, I said, screw dirt work. I'm absolutely done. I said, I'm staying beside. <laughs> um, but then when I got home and thought about it, it was just like, I'm going to have these lessons. You know, it's the first one that got thrown at me. Don't ever trust word of mouth. 
Um, because at first, that, I mean, even when I saw it, it's a big thing that I did. So I trust word of mouth way too much. Um, didn't really ever set up contracts, do things like that. It was just a, I just tried to live off a handshake. And, you know, I, I kind of realized that this world's not built off a handshake anymore. Like there's a lot of people trying to get something for nothing. And uh, it happens more often than people try. I mean, I just got screwed out of $18,000 on a development job um, because he felt like that what we did wasn't equivalent to our to our invoice um, when he agreed to the invoice of daily rate. So it happens, you know. It does. And and, it, and, it, and you're right, man. It was just not the same world like it was even 20 years ago, but more like 30, 40 years ago. You know, we, like our, our parents and grandparents taught us, you're a man of your word. You shake hands. You hold that. That's a bond. Exactly. And, and that's not, something you should live by. You know, yeah, I, I try to keep it as cool possible. Yeah. So you, you get your first job, get snookered out of uh, all your profits because you had to do extra work. Yeah, I actually didn't even, I wasn't even able to do it. It was a whole nother half an acre um, of brush hogging. And it was, it was eight o'clock at night by the time I got done. So I was like, there's no way there's no money in me. I would have to, you know, put out 300 extra dollars just to get the equipment back out here tomorrow. Yeah. I ain't doing that, man. And he was just like, well, go ahead and walk, pack your stuff up and get off my property. Nice. So what, what's the next job? Like what's, when do you take your next dirt job? So I think the next dirt job I got was just a minor grading job. Um, when I was, was I? I was like 15 years old, I worked for a guy named Michael Hendricks. I hate to put him out there. He's absolutely horrible guy. Everybody's still posting about him right now. The things are going wrong with their, with their properties. But um, he gave me a shot because I talked to him into doing sod because it was one of those things like it was really hitting off. It was working for me. And I was like, you know, you should try sod. Well, I got a bobcat. Well, I got a bobcat. You can go ahead and just hire me to do your jobs. So he hit me up one day. I think it was about two, three weeks after I, I got skipped out of that money. And he was like, yo, I'll give you $100 an hour. Come out here and run your bobcat and do your things like that. Which at this point, it was kind of one of those things where I was telling him, yo, yeah, I got a bobcat. I was still running at the time. Didn't want to tell him the truth on that one. Um, but he was like, all right, yeah, just go ahead, bring it out here. So I think I made like maybe 300 bucks off that job after paying my rental fees and everything like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, I'm kind of getting the hang of this. I can kind of do this more often. I like sitting in the cab, having the AC while everybody else is just loading me up, taking it where I need to go. It's like, this kind of works out. So I think it was about, yeah, about two or three weeks after that. Gotcha. And when did you buy your first piece of equipment? I think it was April, March or April of 2022. I believe. Yeah. So we were doing sod. Uh, we started working every single day. Um, somehow that absolutely just went off the rankers. I was getting 15, 14 messages on Facebook marketplace a day, doing all these quotes, getting all these jobs. And I went to my dad and I was like, you know, I ain't got credit yet. Would you mind helping me get a skid steer? And he was like, no, get out of my face with that. Um, because, you know, I mean, with any parent, I mean, if you're trying to start a business, first thing you do is not walk up with them, ask them if they can help you buy $70,000 piece of equipment. So he was like, no, that that's not when that's not happening because, you know, you've seen my other businesses that I tried and I just kind of gave up on them. Um, but I was like, all right, well, I'm going to make this a, I'm going to make this a point. So I saved up money. I saved up a good enough money where I went to him and I was like, look, we got a lot of jobs. I'm spending a lot in rental costs. Is there anything you can do for me? And he was still like, no, like I'm not, I'm not taking that big of a risk on it. Um, and I believe, like I said, March or April, um, I was at a job one day and he called me and he's like, yo, where are you at? And I was like, oh, I'm in Woodstock right now. We're installing four pallets of sod. And I'll never forget this day. He was like, oh, well, I'm at Bobcat. Bring your money. And I was like, 
you're joking right now. And he was like, no, at this point, I see that you're actually doing what you want to do and you better not give this up, but you make the payments and we'll work it out. And you missed your first payment and then it goes back. And I was like, all right, well, let's get to it. We got a skid steer now. So yeah, like I said, it was, it was definitely a high end moment for me. Definitely brought a lot of joys and man, those rental costs are getting ridiculous these days. Yeah. If you rent more than what, three, four, five times a month, it's, it's basically the equivalent of buying the machine. Yeah. So that was what, just a year and a half ago, year and four months ago. Yeah. Right around a year. Yeah. A year and a half ago, we've had it. So you went from having nothing a year and a half ago, buying a skid steer. And now you obviously have enough equipment to keep five people busy. <laughs> yeah. So we got a HX 160, a 2023 Hyundai. Um, we have a 2006 uh, 953 track loader. Of course, we got the skid steer. Um, and then we also use national equipment dealers a lot for extra rentals, like forestry mulchers, things like that. I kind of, I don't, I didn't believe it either. Like just kind of looking back, it's kind of crazy how I got here. Um, Cause you know, over three years ago, I was sitting in a house with an ankle monitor trying to figure out what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And then now I'm sitting here with, you know, quarter or over a million dollars worth of equipment. And it's like, man, it's just kind of hard to believe at this point. So TJ, do you think you would have had the determination to continue and be successful in this business without the experience of having to sit at home with that ankle monitor? Honestly, no, because the way that I was headed before I was, I I was either going to end up dead or in prison for something really serious. And luckily what I, what I did get arrested for, it was, it was not really even my fault. I was literally a party to a crime and unfortunately, you know, it, it, don't get me wrong. It wasn't, it, it wasn't a situation that should have been passed up, but like I said, I'm, I'm really lucky to even be out right now. Um, just the, the way things went down. I mean, it, it was bad on everybody. I got me and then four other co-defendants. Um, two of my buddies basically went in a house when we didn't, well, we got invited to a house. My bad. It's kind of hard to talk about it sometimes. We don't um, have to talk about it. I just wanted to know. Oh about no, it. I, I, I would love to. Cause I mean, if you want to, I'm up, but I don't, yeah. You can come from anything, you know, and that's that's why I don't mind talking about it. It's just hard kind of reflecting sometimes because I like to show people that, you know, you can come from the bottom of, you know, hell and, and come back up to the heavens if, if you try enough. That's the biggest thing. If you've got to want it, you've got to try and you've got to be determined to get back into that position. You know, I find that the most successful business owners I've ever met, it may not have been an ankle monitor, but it was something that knocked them really, really, really low. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, that was... That was the portion that knocked me low, you know, because I was 16 year old um, with armed robbery, assault with a deadly weapon, burglary, home invasion, gang affiliation, felony eluded, destruction of property over $500. And I'm sitting there in a jail cell going, my whole entire life is over. From this point on, there's nothing else that I can do. I will be in a jail cell probably for the next quarter of my life. And, you know, of course, luckily, months down the road, my family was able to get the uh, course to talk down into getting me on bond and doing things like that. I got out and it was the same exact feeling. It was like, dude, I can't do anything. Try to go get a job. They wouldn't hire me. The first thing they asked me is like, you know, what's going on with your record? And, you know, at the time it was hard because there was a lot of you know trauma behind that. You know, you're 16 years old going through that. And then everybody you're talking to is telling you you're going to prison. And, you know, it. it it's one of those situations where it was like, I've got to do something that's going to be positive for me. You know, it's like, I got to do something for myself at this point. I'm done relying on other people to give me a shot. I'm going to give myself a shot and build my own, you know, world. Because at that point I can go talk to a customer and put, put my boots on and pants on. And that hides that side of me. 
But, you know, if I'm working outside and, you know, it's by a pool, like a lifeguard or something like that, where I've got to wear shorts all day, everybody's going to be staring. It's not going to be a good situation. People are going to ask <laughs> questions. And it's one of those things I don't want to be asked about that. You know, I want to forget that, you know, indefinitely, unless it's something positive. Like I said, I, I love talking about it sometimes because it, it can bring people out of a hole yeah. that they're stuck in. And then I guess I think. Did did your past life try to pull you back in once that monitor got off, or were you kind of free um, to make your own choices? Man, to be completely honest with you, um, probably about two years, about two years in, the old life was still trying to like you know hang out and you know do this and let's get drunk, and it's like, dude, I really can't. Um, and I mean, I suffered real bad addiction on weed, man. I could not get off that stuff to save my life. But yeah, once I got the ankle monitor off, it was kind of just a it was an open world. I literally quit doing everything, hanging out with everybody. And it was, it was head on business because at this point I already had my business started up. And, you know, once I really started my business is when I completely cut everybody off. Yeah. And um, did you have to like, did you have to look at them and say, listen, man, I'm done. Like we had a good run. Nah, it wasn't wow. even that it was, I was, they didn't hear another word from me. And, you know, yeah. a lot of people say, you know, that's kind of an asshole thing to do. But in my nope. world, like, dude, if I, if I screw up one time, like I'm on strict guidelines, if I screw up, I, I, don't get one year. I don't get five years. I get 60. So it's, if I screw up, I will be gone for basically the rest of my life. <laughs> so I'm not trying to mess anything up, you know? Yeah. I've got to really watch my hang around. It's cool because the funny thing is, is all of my friends are my employees at this point. You know, it's like, yeah, we don't get to hang out after work because who wants to hang out with their boss? They want their check signed. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I have people that I can talk to that I can see every day if I have something going on. And I have other people that uh, a few of my friends that own businesses, you know, they don't got a lot of time. But, you know, if I call them, they know it's for something important or if it's about money, one or the other. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that I have those connections because before the connections that I had, she didn't really give a give a crap unless it was benefiting them. You know what I mean? Yep. Wow. That's Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I'm, I guarantee you there's somebody out there listening to this right now that's being inspired by that story yeah. and looking at their situation, wherever they're at on the ladder, you know, it's not a competition to see who was lower. They, or who lower. had the worst again, life like, growing up. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? They're feeling low in their personal life right now. And to hear somebody yeah. say, listen, I was facing incarceration, sitting at home, nothing but my thoughts. And exactly. I still found a way to overcome that and tr believe in myself, invest in myself and become successful. I think that's a, a very powerful story. And I, and I think too many people are afraid to share the lows. Like exactly. we all want to be on a pedestal like all the time. The and it's not real life. Exactly. It's not real life. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, no problem, man. Like I said, I just want people to understand it doesn't matter where you're at in life. You know, you can, you can come out of any situation and come out on top, you know, personally. Yeah. Do you still struggle with like wanting to behave the, that old way anymore? Or is it completely out of your system? Oh, it, it's, it's kind of funny because I mean, I feel like I'm too old for my age now. Like, it's <laughs> like, I don't want to party. I don't want to go get drunk. I don't want to go have a smoke sesh. Like, it's like, I want to grow my business and leave everybody else in the dust at this point. Yeah, because you, look it's at like 20 year old, you look at 20 year olds now and you're like, God, these kids. Yeah, it's like, and dude, y'all are a joke. Y'all are some bozos, man. It's like, y'all yeah. got to get a grip, you know? And it's it's crazy because it, a lot of people told me that I wouldn't go anywhere. And now they're looking at me, like I said, you know, quarter or more million dollar worth of equipment. And it's like, I'm still trying to figure out how I got here, you know? Yeah. And, you know, let's put it in perspective. A quarter of a million dollars of equipment for an excavation company is not an enormous amount of money. 
No, but $400 million of equipment for anyone that's 20 years old is ridiculous. Like exactly. You're, 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 you're very far ahead of the curve. And if you stay focused, stay structured, like the sky's the limit. And you're going to get to a point where you have to choose what success is. Exactly. And it's funny because I, I feel like, I feel like I already have success in a way, you know, because for me, I've always learned that success doesn't mean a hundred million dollars in your bank right. account. For me, success is waking up every day on time, being happy and just living, living without depression, man. Cause I went through that for a long time and I was a good portion of my life. And I finally reached a point where it's, I'm happy. I'm at peace. You know, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing it around people that I really enjoy and I'm having fun. I mean, that's, that's, that's where everybody gets it mixed up. You know, I'm young. I'm just trying to have fun, you know, clean fun at this point, but right. I'm just trying to have fun while I'm young, you know, cause I, I'm never going to be 20 years old again with, with a business like this. So why not try to make the best memories out of it? Why not try to do the best that I can make all the memories and just try to thrive, man. Yeah. And what I meant by that, we get to choose success. Like I know guys that own a skid steer and a mini X, they work all the work themselves. They have one part-timer that helps out from time to time. And it's exactly where they want to be. Exactly. That's success. That's success. You know, like that's his level to where he wants to be. But like, if you stay on the, on the path you're on, you're gonna have to choose. Like, do I want to stay where I'm at? Hire in smarter people than me to manage multiple locations and logistics and maintenance, or am I cool with just one or two locations? And there's no wrong answer, right? It's like what you want. Exactly. At the end of the day, it's kind of like, where do you, where do you see yourself? And it's kind of crazy that you put it like that, because at this point it's like, I don't really know because I leave my blueprints open. Um, a very wise person, John Watkins, always told me, you know, you want to keep, you want to keep your blueprints open because if you try to set something up and it becomes bigger, you, you don't know what's going to happen. He, he owned a really big erosion company out in Georgia, uh, Watkins or Watkins erosion. And that grew to millions and they got every single contract in Georgia, basically. But his, his big fallout, because um, he did a podcast, I listened to that, and then I, I spoke to him about it after the hand because he goes to our church. Um, and he said his biggest problem was he had a blueprint that he made in his mind. He put it on paper, and it went absolutely to the moon past his blueprints. And he didn't know what he was doing at that point. He said, that, you know, he, he just kind of got into a depression mode because he couldn't turn to anybody and talk to it. Uh, which I deal with the same problem. You know, why somebody my age want to talk to me doing better than them, you know? So it's kind of like, who do you tired to talk to, you know? Yeah, he basically said that, you know, it, it, keep your blueprints open because you can never know where you end up. You can end up with, you know, these $10 million contracts where you're doing subdivisions, doing everything for them. And if you only put it to where, you know, I'm doing two home builds a week, that's going to leave you, you know, kind of in a shock and you're not really going to know what you want to do. Um so yeah, I kind of just leave my blueprints open. If whatever happens, happens. I'm just going to keep on pushing. Yeah. And I 100% agree. That's great advice for people out there listening. Like, don't be so rigid in your plan. You know, I, I'm a big believer that you got to look at your three to five year vision. And like, maybe your vision right now for three years is the 2 million mark. And maybe in six months from now, you're like, man, we already hit that number. Big deal. You just build a new three-year vision. Exactly. It's always, it's always lucid, right? It's always fluid. You can always change it, but without having any vision at all of your goal, where you want to get to, you're just going to be spinning your wheels in the mud, doing the same thing you're doing today in six more months. Exactly. Like the biggest thing for me, I don't know if you know, you know, Brent Scarborough, you ever heard of him? I know the name, I think. Yeah. He owns a really big excavation company. Um, they do basically what I want to do, which is like 
turnkey company. They do land clearance, site development, um, utilities. I mean, they basically do everything. Um, I'm not too keen in on everything, um, but my, my goal is to get bigger than him at this point, which a lot of people say, you know, that's a $100 million company. There ain't no way. Like, in my mind, that's where I'm trying to go. You know, I'm trying to be as big as them, basically competing on the same bids that they're competing on. Yeah, and when, you can, of course. Yeah, dude. And it sounds hokey, but I will tell you, man, keep visualizing that, keep believing it, and don't let anyone around you. Like, when they exactly. start pushing, when they start saying you can't do that, it's out of envy and fear. Exactly. You know, so, but, uh, yeah, but if you don't, if you stop seeing that, then you won't reach it. Like you've got to continually make sure you see yourself bidding those projects. Exactly. And it's like, it's one of those things that a lot of people I've seen it, what struggles or what they struggle with is trying to go so much lower than these other people just to like get the bid. Like the biggest thing for me when I first started was having the fear to walk away from a job, you know, and I see that a lot more nowadays. It's everybody always just tries to knock their price so much just to get a bid. And it's like, dude, there's somebody out there that is going to be worth your time. It's not going to knock you down thousands of dollars just so you can get the job. I mean, there's some people out there that just don't care. They just want to make the money. Yeah. Um, but like for me, I, I know it. I know what my company can produce. So I'm not about to drop my prices three, four thousand dollars just because you want to save a buck or two. It's either you're going to pay for something really good and it's going to have an amazing outcome, or you can go gamble with somebody else who's going to do it for cheaper. You know. Yeah, there's two there's two lessons there's two things I always talk about with guys when we get in this conversation we're having right now. One, if you start competing on price, you can only go to zero. Yeah, that's exactly. it. Like you can only go to zero. You can't go any lower. And then two, like you're right, don't discount it. Instead of discounting it, increase the amount of value that you provide that customer. Exactly. And if they don't see the value in what you're offering them, that's okay. Yeah, because a lot of people just don't understand. You know, they you you come you pull up in your truck they see you and then you talk about it but what they don't see is the new equipment that's sitting back there they don't see the insurance costs they don't see the wear and tear on the machines they don't see that you know your your guys have to drive all the way to that job site wherever may that be you have to pay for them you have to pay for all these extra stuff you got diesel costs i mean and and, and tj i'll be honest with you they don't care about that they don't they just they want that a, job no done. but 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 you need to change like we always talk about changing our mindsets to provide a customer experience. And it's like Walt Disney world. It's 10 times the price of six flags or Dollywood or whatever else. And people flock to it. Exactly. Because Everybody. of the customer experience. 100%. Right. So when, when you guarantee on time and you, you know, your extra cleanup that you do and your professional walkthroughs and the estimate, all that stuff provides value that the weekend warrior can't provide. And people will pay for peace of mind and professionalism. Exactly. They pay, pay a premium for that. Yeah. 100%, I agree on that. 100%. Yeah. But if you, if you just change that mindset to like a customer experience and customer satisfaction, we, I always say like, we're not a service business. Like this industry is not a service industry. You're a solution industry. Like somebody has a problem. You go out and a solution to fix it. You know, it's like, I've never seen a painter walk up to me and say, yo man, I've got the newest, latest and greatest paintbrush. I can make your wall look great. <laughs> but I can tell you, I can tell you how many times people are like, dude, I got a skid steer. I can do that. And I'm like, awesome like it's a tool exactly i want to know about the solution and the and like how, how you're are you do it and what's the guarantee when it's done and what time frame can i expect it to be done in it was like nothing worse than starting a project and a week later going dude you going back to finish that I got a mud <laughs> pit in my backyard wait you bringing that equipment back over here and those are the things like you provide those that value to the customers and you find a way to differentiate yourself in value from your competitors and sky's the limit 
100%, man. That you, you hit the money on that one. That's I'm definitely going to take that and run with it. I've never yeah. really heard it in that aspect. Yeah, it's like we always think of it where we provide a service. Like we're an excavation service industry. Well, you're not. Somebody has a problem. You're you the go solution. Out. You're the exactly. solution. The like, solution to their problems. Yeah. And people pay a lot of money for a solution. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, the biggest thing for me, like with that development company that, that kind of skiffed me out of my money, he just – he doesn't really understand. He he tries to, how do I put it without kind of sounding like I'm down on this man. Um, <laughs> he, he's been in business since 2019 and he just has the biggest line problem. Um, he tries to tell people that he's built over 300 homes, which 2019 to 2023 first two years, small business. I don't see how you build more than 300 homes when you just got into building homes like a year and a half ago. So it's one of those things where getting in with him and seeing what he did and he's like, oh, well, this person's paying this. And he said that he would give me a bid for this price and that price. And it's like, well, he's not going out there using 3D and he's not out there shooting lasers. He's going out there to move his dirt and get out. I said, you're getting all this extra stuff. We're clearing your land. We're clearing brush piles. We're grading everything off for this price. You know, you're getting all this and our expertise on this. So why, why not just take a risk on it? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Of course, he did take the risk on it, and he didn't pay his bill, so. <laughs> <laughs> which was a funny one on my head. Yeah, so you you mentioned back when you were doing the sod that like, you were getting 15, 20 messages, what, a day or a week for sod installation? It, it was still, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Do you still use Facebook for your excavation business, or have you outgrown it based on the projects that you're currently doing? So basically we, we still do use it because I, I do look, still like dealing with customers. A lot of people, you know, they get a little bit bigger. They just want to deal with contractors, things like that. But I kind of like having that extra revenue. Um, and on top of that, I just kind of like the customer experience. You know, if it, if I'm able to get my name out through word of mouth where somebody's hitting me up saying, Hey, you know, John told me that you did an awesome job on his land clear. And I wanted you to do, you know, what I'm going to do. So he already knows basically that, what my pricing is, how I work, because of course he's going to talk to his buddy about it. So if his buddy tells him that, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm pretty high dollar. When he calls me, he knows that I'm not going to be cheap. So that's the best thing for me is when, when it comes to Facebook, I, I do them. I try to give them, you know, a little bit of slack. I do everything. And anybody who calls me from there, they, they already know how we work. We already know how we set up. And that's how it's worked with a lot of my customers through Facebook. Um, it, it is, it became word of mouth more often. Yeah. Um, when, so gotcha so like the mix of your business currently how much like percentage wise like how much business are you doing as a subcontractor for either developments or larger excavation companies and how much are you doing for residential or single end user i would say currently it's about about 50 50 if you want me to be completely honest with yeah. you like if I put it on a scale it would definitely be 50 50 you know i got a few good home builders that i work with we do grading um and we do the land clearing for them but on the other side you know, I, like I said, I still keep my my customer base rolling off of Facebook. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of the a lot of things that hit me are people who come out to do these jobs. And they just walk off of them. And it's like, so I'm sitting here left with a customer who's already been out of shape. But then the good thing is, is, you know, I, I can bring their happiness back because once we leave, they see what a real company's about. And they're like, OK, well, I was on my toes at first. But now that I see all this equipment sitting here, I know that, you know, things are about to actually start happening. Yeah, uh, it's funny. I just actually got another one um, out in uh, Douglasville. Some guy went out there and cleared an acre and a half with a 
what is that? Uh, like a Hyundai 35i or like some super small 7,000 pound excavator and a super old John Deere skid steer and just left brush piles everywhere. Was supposed to chip it. Was supposed to do all this stuff. Grade, graded a pad that was like bold shape. It, it didn't even, it wasn't even parred, man. It was, it was really, really bad. Left all the stumps, I guess, when they felled all the trees instead of pushing them over with the skid steer um, or the excavator. Um, I mean, it was, it was horrendous, dude. I mean, there's stuff everywhere, but luckily we got that job. I'm bring out the 160 and I projected like two days and he's like two days. This guy was here for like two weeks. And I was like, ain't using the right equipment then. Yeah. It's like digging a grave with a spoon. Exactly. So Facebook, you said Facebook marketplace is what you're using to attract yeah, so these we, people. How do you use marketplace selling a service? Cause everyone I know gets banned. Five. Okay. So actually let me bring out my phone for this. Cause we got, we got a lot of funny ones. Um, you basically have to word it as a, like a nine-year-old, if you want me to be completely honest with you, if you want to beat the system on that, um, you got to word it like a nine-year-old would word it. So we have, uh, let's see, sod layers for sale. We got excavation time, lot clearing for sale. Like you basically just got to put everything for sale at the end of it. So it's not a service, you know what I mean? Um, we have forestry mulcher sales. Mulcher works with an X instead of working you know, things like that. Just basically word it like, like stupid, you know, and it, it doesn't ever get flagged for me. And that, that's the best way that I can explain it. Like you literally just have to word it like stupid. Yeah. Just so, a word, maybe a few capitals, lower cases, use some numbers in there. That's actually genius. Like yeah. the only, the only workaround that I had found over the years was to like sell the material. Exactly. You know, or like, like people that did land clearing with a mulching head. I'm like, Offer free mulch. Exactly. <laughs> and, then, and then in the description, tell them it's because you're going to come in and mulch the trees and brush, and but you get free the mulch. Biggest, yeah, the biggest thing is they look at comment, like your basically your description too. So I, I figured out that they look at how it's worded um, in your description when you first post it. And then I, I guess in the, the info on the bottom where you can like basically list what it is. A lot of people go in there and they're like, you know, we're this much now where we priced about the job, yada, yeah. yada, yada. Literally all I have is just PM for more info. And yeah it swings by and they just hit me up off the messenger app and then they can't flag it by that point. We're already talking, already got their number. Everything yeah. How many, how many tire kickers do you get through that quite a bit? Um, I mean, yes, but luckily they, they don't get past the, the first bit of the message stage. So basically how I do it is I kind of have like a fill out for myself. So I'll ask him, you know, what's your location? What are you exactly looking to do? You know, what's your time frame? Have you looked up in your area how much this is going to cost? Yada, yada, yada. And the ones who actually, you know, give a crap are going to, you know, comply with what I'm saying. They're going to, they're going to tell me what they know. The other ones are just going to kind of view it and be like, is this location? When can you come out? And it's like, I'm just going to come out to a random location. You know, you got to, you got to let me, fill you out a little bit because when I first started this man, uh, not all 15 of those messages were people ready to go, <laughs> you know, yeah. there was probably about six or seven that went with us. The other ones were just kind of like, Oh yeah, well, we'll get back with you on that. You know, I got to talk to my wife. And that, that's another thing for anybody out there listening. If somebody says they got to talk to their wife, it is not happening, man. They just go ahead and go find you another job to hop on. That's normally the biggest turn away for anything is <laughs> yeah. I got to go talk to my wife about <laughs> <laughs> especially when it gets into the thousands. Yeah. Along with Skidster Nation, we also do groundbreaking growth, which is like a 
basically a coaching program for excavation business owners. Uh-huh. And, and they they hire us, specifically they hire me to work with them and kind of coach them and help them build the structure of their business and then refine processes, work through marketing, sales scripts, culture for growing employees. And literally today, both of my calls today, all we did was talk about pre-qualifying questions. Like the whole call was about pre-qualifying questions. Because number one, time is the most valuable asset you have. It's the same amount that Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos has. So why would you waste it driving an hour and a half to look at a dead end job? 100%. And that's actually yeah. funny because I, I I listened to that podcast, that that previous one that you had, and I believe y'all brung that up too. Um, you only, you, everybody gets the same 24 hours, you yep. know, if you're taking an hour out of your day, say it's only, th- only 30 minutes away, that's still an hour out of your time, you know, and that's, that's hours that could spend somewhere else making more yeah. money. And yeah. I mean, so like creating that list, like you talked about, you kind of like a checklist of five or six or seven questions you ask before you even get moving into it. And I I give these guys like a list of like 30 and say, Hey, here's examples. They don't all work for your business, but go build your own list. Exactly. You get off the phone with that person and you agree to drive to their property. You should know that they've got a, they've got an idea of a budget range. You should know the details of it, any issues that were going to be there. If you're going to need to get any permitting for it like how soon they want it done, what their end goal is. Cause sometimes the end goal isn't the project they're doing. Like if a guy exactly. wants a head built for a barn, like you need to know that there's a barn going there and he doesn't want a flat spot in the yard. Like <laughs> getting all that information up front before you invest the time in driving out there. Exactly. And it's, it's funny because a lot of people, man, they, they just, they don't know what they want. Like, especially it's big when you go out to like pond builds. Dude, I cannot mm-hmm. tell you how many times I went out to pond builds and people just don't know what they want. You know, I ask them, you know, what kind of shape do you know how many pumps you're wanting? And half the time people don't even know you have to have a pump when you build a pond, you know, to make sure that the oxygen is, is correct. And people don't understand if you just go putting fish in a, basically a hole with water, they ain't going to live for very long. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, they, if that flips and that kills all the fish, that's, they're going to call me asking what's going on. Where, what's happening to my fish? You did something wrong. And it's no, because you're skipping those steps basically to, to get everything correct. Like there's a lot that goes into pond builds. And just some people don't understand that. They don't do the research. They just say, Oh, I got land. I want a pond. It's like, yep. okay. Well, and, what and again, for? and again, that's our, your job to provide that customer experience, that walkthrough process. Exactly. You know, and like we've even seen like I know it's I know it's kind of growing in popularity in like the home contractor industry, but like getting paid for consultations. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a problem at all, especially in larger scale projects to do that same thing, because like to spend the time required to get the detail out there, the education, all that I like got with a with a virgin ground for a pond, like even if you don't, even if they don't hire you, they're going to be equipped with everything they need. And if you provide some handouts and list of questions and things that they would need, like there's a value to that. Exactly. Especially when, when you have a good team behind you, that's giving you a lot of good knowledge. Like, um, I got, I got Mr. Nichols. His name is, uh, I can't even remember his name. One second. He does <laughs> he, a lot of work. I feel really bad now. Is he local to your area or do you meet him online? Yeah. He does a lot of things for the, for the state of Dallas or the state, the, uh, County of Dallas. Okay. And Robert. There we go. Now he does own his own company. He just worked for, um, he worked for Dallas and he did a lot of things with water, sewer, things like that. So I bring him out a lot of the times when I do these builds and he works alongside of me and he just gives them so much information because, you know, that, that was his life since he was 16. I believe he's like 25, 26 now. 
Um, and that's all he's done is, is pond, stormwater, things like that. So when I bring him out, he's going top to bottom, telling them what they need, how many they need, how deep it's going to be, what liners they're going to be using. And I'm just kind of sitting there like, all right, all right, all right, let's keep, let's keep it going. <laughs> and these customers are just learning all this extra stuff. And it's like, wow. Like, okay, well, I didn't need, I know, I didn't know that I needed this and this and this and this and this. And I'm just sitting there kind of like, a, hey, we did this for free. You know, it's one of those things where I, I feel like I should start charging at least something to especially go out to pond builds because those are my number ones I hate. And and, um, and honestly, like you could, this is off the top of my head. I bet we've had no time to discuss this in advance, but like, you could say, yeah, I can come out and take a look at it, give you a quote, or you and I can spend two hours we'll go over all the details of the pond the way that we you know where the riprap is best place for the levee ponds liners the a to z's of the pond construction but for that two-hour consultation there's a four hundred dollar charge exactly so now you give them a choice i'll give you a free estimate or you can pay for my my knowledge exactly a top tier top to yeah. bottom basically scale of it because i think if you only because that's the biggest thing for me is you hear all these guys like oh people think i'm an idiot you know they think it's crazy that i charge for a consultation i'm like well offer them a free one too exactly that's very limited an option of that yeah here's the pond here's the steps here's the price right you got 100 percent, and then just knock the price of the consultation off the build when they hire you exactly basically give them that option you know if, if you do go ahead and go off this this will be knocked off and you'll be reimbursed for what you've already put out yeah so we're, 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 we're doing that here locally with a septic company because they keep getting called out for inspections. And it's only inspection. <laughs> and I'm like, man, charge for that and then just take it off and they hire you to replace it. Exactly. And that'll kind of give that customer, well, I've already got a little bit of money put into this company. Why not go and, with that? And that's the, that's, the, that's the human psychology behind it, TJ. is like, you've already got him comfortable giving you money. Exactly. The dollar amounts are irrelevant. He already knows that he's, you've paid you and he's gotten some value out of what he paid you for. So now it's going to be easier for them to pay you for a larger ticket item. That is smart. That is super smart. Yeah. And I know Robert's going to listen to this. And he's going to be like, dang, that dude didn't even remember my name. <laughs> he's going to be like, that's all right. I'm going to start getting four or $500 a pop now. Oh, he's going to start charging me out the Wahoo now. God, everybody <laughs> just jokes around and calls him Mr. Nichols, man. But it's like, it's hard to remember people's names sometimes when you don't see them every single day. Like I said, yeah. I, I keep a short group, man. So it's hard to remember everybody's name. Yeah. No, man. Anytime you can get somebody to either say yes or give you money for something, all you're doing is building a trust and making the end result even easier. So that's like when we go through the sales process, like the estimate and and going over it and the the site walkthrough, Mm -hmm. like always ask for permission, always ask if they understand what you're talking about, because all you're doing is getting them to say, yes, you can tell me about your estimate. Yes. I understand that we're going to cut out that roadway. Yes. Like I said, because a lot of people just don't. They just don't know. And that's all the best I, thing to be able to do. All I want to do is get that person to say yes to me five, six, ten exactly. times. So when Sign I say, here's text. the price, they say yes. Exactly. Basically, like it's, it's yes like literally like psychology training. You're just training them to tell you yes. 100%. Yeah. It sounds kind of like a shady back end deal, but. In a way, yeah, but at the same time, it's not because, I mean, if you're providing them that good work and, you know, you're showing them that you're worth their time, yeah, why not turn you into a yes man? Yeah, you know? absolutely. absolutely. Especially somebody being able to turn to for any and everything, you know? Yeah. So let's say there's one guy listening to this podcast right now. He's extremely down on his luck. He's He's you, maybe not the same scenario, but he's sitting on his couch just at the bottom of the barrel. What do you tell him? 
get up and go do something. Figure out. Don't know what to do. Don't know everybody's situation or what they like to do, but just get up and do something. Like sitting on the couch ain't going to do anything for you. Uh, more, more along the lines of like getting into business, like getting that thing off the ground. Like what's what's your best advice to that guy? You got to want it. Like that. that's that's literally how I put it to myself is you got to want it. Like if I want to go get work, I've got to want it. I've got to go out there, find it, go strive to be the best that I can personally be. And I've got to want it because a lot of times it was like, with like let's say with my with my grass cutting whole thing, I knew that I didn't want that. Like I, I knew that I didn't want that to be my life with the whole pressure washing thing. And I was like, yeah, I can make some money. It's not what I wanted. Like if you're going to do something, you've got to want it or you're not going to like it. You're going to hate it. You're never going to want to do it. And it's going to, you're going to get burnt out. It's like a lot of people when they go get a job that they know that they're not going to want to do. And then five, six months down the road, they absolutely hate their job and they're griping every single day when they got to go up to work. Like with me, I don't do that anymore. I wake up, even though I'm the business owner, I wake up and I'm thankful that I get to go to work because I remember there was times where I didn't have no work and I want this. So that's just the biggest thing that I could tell somebody. Is if you're going to start a business or do something, you've got to want it. You've got to get into something that you're going to want to do for the rest of your life, but not give up no matter what it is. Yeah, I completely agree with you because I remember there was like a two-year period. I'm going to age myself because you were just getting out of diapers, but <laughs> <laughs> the 2008 recession hit and I was in, I owned bars and restaurants. 100%. So it, it, you know, our numbers were way down. The savings account was going <laughs> the wrong direction and then it started to plateau out. We weren't losing money. We weren't making money. And it like literally felt every day like I was in prison because I couldn't quit because I own the damn thing. <laughs> and I hated and I hated going to work. So like it it is like you better have a passion for what you do and you better really want it. Those two things. Exactly. If, you, if you have a passion and you want it, sky's the limit. Exactly, because it, it doesn't it doesn't come easy at all, especially for what we do. I mean, you would know just as much. I mean, this this industry is is cutthroat. I mean, it's to the core. You do one thing wrong and your your name gets out there in the wrong way, you're done. I mean, like I said, with that guy that I worked for. Few people started posting him on in, uh, Facebook, and it, it was it was a downhill spiral from there. And then he's yeah. calling me asking about work, and it's like, dude, I know I know what you've been doing. I mean, he would do these scandals where he would get customers to give them a deposit up front for the for the sod. He wouldn't get it, <laughs> and he would just go missing out of nowhere. And it's just like once a few people understand what you're doing, and it gets out there, nobody's gonna hire you again. You know, nobody's yeah. gonna try to take that risk. And hey, man, I. I don't know where he's at today. I'm praying for him. He's trying to get me to do a few grading jobs in his backyard. It's like, man, I don't even know if I'm going to get paid. So uh, go ahead and not do that. Even worse than that is you don't want to be associated with his name. Exactly. I mean, you get around the wrong people in this world and it'll definitely destroy you. And that's why, like with the home builder that I was that I was working with, I ain't even going to say his name, but yeah. it was basically the one that's trying to be a developer. He, it, That's just one person that I'm not trying to do because I remember – it's about six months ago, man. He had a lot of bad reviews, and then out of nowhere, they're all gone off Facebook or uh, off Facebook. They're off Google, and um, I talked to a guy named Reese Alley, and he's actually another person that went and interviewed him and uh, tried to just pick his brain a little bit. And that's how I figured out about how much he really lied. I mean, he was telling this guy he had fifty employees, over one hundred fifty thousand dollars a month in payroll. He was building nine developments and it's like dude this is like the first development i'm on and he can't even make his bill like yeah. what is this guy talking about 
Um, yeah, and like like you talked about earlier, man, like all these experiences, whether you work with them or not, all they are is life lessons, and it's just making you a better exactly. business owner. And it, like, it's one of those things. It's like I, I don't, I don't necessarily hate those times. Like, don't get me wrong, losing eighteen grand to anybody—that's that's kind of a headache. But at the same time, I know that for one, I'm going to make it back, and for two. I'll be better for prepared and watch who I work for, you know, look, look a little bit deeper into their background and look what they got going on. Because I mean, like I said, you can't go off word of mouth anymore and handshakes just don't work either. And that's basically how that was built. I started doing small grading jobs with them. And then, you know, he passed me along a little bit more. Then he gave me this out of the blue and it's like, kind of felt like it was a setup, especially because I was that guy that he'd call if he wanted it done for cheap. You know what I'm saying? He would always yeah. haggle me about my price and be like, oh, can you do it for this? And he knew, like, in, there was a portion of my business, I believe it was, like, the first year um, I was in a relationship with somebody. And like I like I put on, on my application, you know, I'm not picking the wrong person for the journey. They just, they absolutely hated what I do. I was always putting my time towards my business, doing this thing. So, you know, I was kind of streaming away from it, but at the same time, I didn't have another job. So this is all I did. I had a skid steer payment. And this dude was like, barely let me scrape by with a few dollars. He, he would like get me out there just enough to where he knew I was about to hate what I was about to get paid, but I'd still do it. And it was just one of those times where, I mean, I wasn't going to say no. I mean, it got a little bit slow, started getting into the winter time. And this person over here is telling me I need to quit and he'll find me another job because this ain't working. She can't do this. And I got him over here saying, Oh, here's a few dollars. If you come grade this off and it's like, all right, we're going to continue with the business. Which luckily I didn't quit. Yeah. Um, it has gotten me here, but yeah, you just, these days you really got to watch who you work for. Like you said, you got to watch who you're associated with too. Cause that'll give you a bad name if you're around the bad crowd. Absolutely, man. Um, well, TJ, we can keep going. I mean, I try to keep these around an hour or so. That's I, completely I love, up to I love you, this man. conversation, man. Time. No, my I feel time. like I'm the type of person we could talk for hours, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me, me too. Like you've got, it's, pretty pretty impressive what you're going through man um so yeah i think i think you you hit a home run man like thank you for being so open and honest with your story your past life the lessons that 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 past life and the beginning of owning a business starts like it's not easy it's not for everyone yeah it's it's more of a thing like the main reason why i wanted to do this is because like you said you inspire other people that's the main thing that that i help other people get inspired by is like with my story you know i know we could sit here and talk about how good somebody grades all day, this, that, and the other. But but the cold truth about it is people who start these businesses not always have, you know, mama and daddy help them out from this get-go. You know, they there's not bringing like with me, you know, it's it was really, really hard because like I said, you know, I'm, I'm not even supposed to be sitting in the seat. I'm supposed to be sitting in a jail cell. And, you know, God, God thank him so much every single day that I'm not because that would be absolutely boring. But it's just one of those things where I had to take that experience and put it into this and go, you know, what are my options here? And I just looked at the light in the, the road and I started chasing it and it's bringing me here. Yeah. You know? God's got, God's got a different, God's got a different plan for you than what, with the path you were on. And exactly. And you know, it's one of those things to set you down for a little bit. So it, you understood it too. Oh, 100%. And it's, it's like I said, you know, I feel like I kind of needed it because the road that I was down, I'll hang out with the wrong crowd, horrible wrong crowd. And you know, it, it's, it's kind of crazy because I look back on it from, from then to now. And it's like, Dang, I don't even know that kid anymore, man. Feels like a oh. lifetime ago, right? And it's only been oh, like three, dude, four it feels years. like a whole other world, dude. Like yeah. I look at pictures of myself now and pictures from then. It's like that guy looks like a loser, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the cold truth about it, man. He, he, yeah, that kid was a loser. Uh, 
but yeah, it, it's I just like inspiring people with with my with my story because it is a crazy story. It's hella screwed up, and you know I'm here now. So what does that mean? You can't go do this because you're upset or you're sad or you feel like you can't do something. I felt the exact same way and had a lot on my plate, but I still said, you know, I've got to do something. I can't sit. I can't sit here all day. Yeah. I've got, to, I've got to find a way for my life. Yeah. Persistence and vision, man. They always pay off. Always pay off. 100%, man. Well, man, thanks so much for taking time out of your day. Go get those crab legs. Enjoy the beach today. <laughs> oh, we're about to in South Carolina. And uh, for all you guys listening out there, if this is your first episode of the Skid Steer Nation podcast and you really enjoyed it, there's a lot more interviews with other business owners, just like TJ, that you can go back and listen to. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get notified when we release new episodes. And if the information you heard today resonated with you and you feel that it's going to make a difference in your business, but you still want to take it one step farther, go over to groundbreakinggrowth.com. You can see exactly what the program's all about. You can schedule a call to talk with me directly. It's my free consultation. We'll spend an hour talking about your business, about how we can help you. If we move forward, great. If not, I guarantee you will take away something from that phone call that will make you a business better business owner. Groundbreakinggrowth.com. Until next week, we'll see you guys around. TJ, thank you so much for the interview today. It was an absolute pleasure, man. You guys have a great rest of y'all's day. All right, man. 